Hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Today on episode 290, I am very lucky, privileged, a delight to have Melanie Oliver, who is a holistic therapist. How are you today, Melanie? <laughs> I am feeling very well and I'm loving your energy. <laughs> ah, you know what? Like, yes, ah, Prozac, happy pills, and God knows what <laughs> on a daily basis. It's a Sunday and I'm happy, 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 joy, joy. Happy, yeah. <laughs> I have to ask now. I there are many therapists in the world, and like you know, I mean many different types of therapy. What is a holistic therapist? <laughs> Um, so I studied holistic therapies uh, at uni and, and University of Westminster in London. And basically we use, um, firstly, we see the, the client as a whole. Um, so we looked at not just the physical symptoms, but also their lifestyle, for example, their environmental stress, uh, their emotions, you know, what, what are they eating? What are they putting in their body? So it's not just, um, you know, the symptom and we treat the symptom with pills or, or something like that we we treat the client as a whole and we look at their whole life not just you know compartmentalize the the symptom and treat that and um i also work only with like obviously i can't diagnose um i'm not a doctor um mm -hmm. but i work with natural medicine so i do work with things like essential oils with flower remedies with anything natural basically um yeah i don't really recommend pills or anything like that um to my clients <laughs> ah so how long have you been a therapist for now so i graduated in 2007 so it's 16 years i think <laughs> yeah. you're like going, 16 years you have i think but what drew you to therapy like being a holistic therapist in the beginning? actually um when i I didn't actually, I didn't know what I wanted to study, to be very honest. Mm. Um, I applied for many different things. I did apply for psychology. I applied for, um, uh, I think it was sports, something or other at the time. And I applied for so many different things. And when I started to get, you know, the results to get into uni, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I asked my father and he said, why don't you take a gap year? He was the one that suggested, you know, take a gap year and explore, you know, what you want to do. So that's what I did. And um, I went to Thailand. And while I was there, I was with a couple of friends and they were um, they, they were doing some cooking course and I hate cooking <laughs> and I didn't want to do cooking. So I decided to do a Thai yoga massage course uh, while they were doing that. And then that kind of led to like, Thai herbs and I started to study Thai herbal massage and then we went to Sri Lanka and I went back to Brazil for some time and while I was there I started to do Reiki I studied Reiki and then I studied uh, I started to do yoga and that was when I started to realize oh I kind of like this natural um, way of things and I like the natural approach and natural method and and that's when I uh, decided to research into more academic courses on you know natural medicine and then I found out about the holistic therapy a degree in the uh, in University of Westminster um yeah that's how I came about <laughs> yeah because like this is the thing Westminster but all I've got to simply say like yeah you you're brought up in was it Brazil or the Middle East first of all I was born in Brazil 
Okay. Uh, I lived there till I was five, and then we were we moved here to Dubai when I was five. So, I technically I I grew up here, but I, I was born and yeah in Brazil. My early years I was there. Yeah, that's a heck of a long way to go. Uh, to like <laughs> you know what I mean? Get education. Yeah. <laughs> I go, and look, dare I say it? Like okay, the sunshine of Dubai. For how can I say the weather of the? Yeah, I know. <laughs> My father is British, actually. He's from Coventry. Um, I'm just down the road well, from Coventry right now. Really? Yeah, Lemon no Spa. Oh, no way. I've been there. I actually studied in Solihull before going to uni. Oh, God. <laughs> in Birmingham. So I spent a lot of time in Birmingham. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? You're, you're seeing all the glamorous sights of the <laughs> <laughs> It's like a Solihull. Wow. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, Sorry, I forgot. I lost track. So um, my father is British, and obviously yes. that's why I kind of decided to to go to England to to study at uni. Um, yeah, and he did warn me. He said, "You know, Mel, uh, around three o'clock is going to go dark, and you're not going to see the sun for months." And I didn't believe him. I thought he was exaggerating. And so um, when I actually got there, after, and I got there in, just at the end of summer, because it was, you know, I think it was September or whatever when we were starting uni, October. And then by the time winter came and I realized after a month that, you know, it, it's just been dark all the time and it's gloomy and I, I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. And I, and I realized, wow, I haven't seen the sun for weeks. <laughs> yes, <I can. laughs> he wasn't exaggerating. He was right. And yeah, it was, um, it was, it was, it was hard for me because obviously I grew up in, in Dubai and it's sunny all the time. And to go from Dubai to, um, to the UK and those UK winters were really hard. <laughs> oh my lord, I can imagine. Like, was it a little bit of a culture shock coming over here to the UK compared to like like you know what I mean, living in Dubai? It, it was. Uh and um I remember my first week at because I had to go to college first. I had to study biochemistry and do a few things before going to uni. Mm. Um and I remember going into the lift and I said good morning because that's what you do in Brazil, you know, that's what you do. You say good morning. Not one person said good morning back to me. And I was like, well, this, this is strange. So I got my lift. Next day I did it again. And by the third day, I, I kind of realized, ah, okay, we don't do this here. No, no, no. Like, like, yeah, no. Like, especially if you're in London, yeah, like, yeah, that's a totally different game entirely. Yeah. Oh, man. Because, like, the, the reason why I asked that, because sort of uprooting your life to go to a different country to study look even though your dad might be british i he, he could talk about the british experience or like till the cows come home but it's one thing to hear about it it's another thing to live it and then basically look with a brazilian background as well that is yeah. like yeah it must have been like really like there must have been a lot of misconceptions when with the good mornings and not hearing anyone come back. Yeah. Whatever. But like, what would you say was one of your sort of greater challenges when you first came over to study? And how might that affect you when you were studying for your holistics therapy course? Um, when I was in Solihull, I wouldn't say it was more the the weather. Okay. And but I was staying in a in an international dorm, so that wasn't so much of a challenge. But when I moved to London, after my first year, like they put me in the international dorms again for the first year at uni. 
But then I had to move out and everyone left. You know, they were just there doing their one year, um, uh, whatever you call it. And then, so then I kind of felt a bit alone and a bit kind of like, mm. so I didn't have any friends to move into, let's say to an apartment or a house or, and and making friends actually, like long-term friends was was very challenging um, for me. I think that was, that was the hardest. Yeah, I made friends, but mm -hmm. there's very few of them that I, actually maybe one or two that I stay in touch with now not not many yeah now I would say one of the things and like this is Ving we're talking about the sort of early like mid-noughties when you were studying and like this, I would say making friendships and like close ties and bonds I would say was difficult then and I'll say it's even more difficult today and that how it's affecting people with regards to mental health and well-being, yeah. it's quite a significant impact to say, and like for yourself to come over and go, yeah, I was in the international dorms for a year and everyone left. And you're like, I, so I've now got to do like, yeah, two more, like two more years of this uh, by myself. Yeah, It's one of those challenges, which I don't think they actually really talk about or mention at all you know no um yeah i would say that was the one of the most challenging and not yeah i had i made acquaintances and friends but they weren't really deep and they weren't really you know i wouldn't say there were people i can really trust you know and 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 having to keep like back then i was struggling i was still struggling with depression and mm. having to keep all of that to myself like i um just recently actually one of my uni friends um, who also studied holistic therapies and the, I posted something on LinkedIn and she re reached out and she said, wow, I never knew this about you. And, I, and she said, isn't it funny? We all used to hang out and we didn't know each other. Mm. Yeah. Like, but this is the thing, like with sometimes circumstances like that, when you're carrying a glass of water for a long time, look, you carry a glass, it's empty. You can hold it like for a long time, a very long time. Yeah. Fill that glass with water and right up to the edge. It starts to get painful <laughs> after a short, like a few, like few minutes. Then like a little bit, like water starts to spill out, which can be an emotional outburst here and an emotional outburst there. It could be a case of, yes, yeah, sitting in the room by yourself crying or like, yeah, just like, why is not like, why is there no way I can connect with anyone? Being able to put yeah. down that glass, empty that glass and like put it down, like the closest people never truly know what you're going through. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's always a tough, I would say it's always a tough one, especially if you're not in that sort of mental space to sort of like, okay, let me breathe. Let me put the glass down, you know? Yeah. And I didn't have enough tools. Like I was, I did, I was doing Reiki and I knew I was learning obviously holistic therapies, but I hadn't really done a lot of deep emotional work it was all kind of like spiritual bypassing mm. and um i'll just mention this because it's when you were talking this came up um so when i lived in london i moved every six months because i couldn't get along with you know the coaches, <laughs> the, my housemates you oh. know and i was like is this going to be for life you know you know right. what's going on so every six months i would move because it was just a challenge like they either were like i'm very clean <laughs> This oh. is my Brazil, my my Brazilian, my grandmother, and then they would just like be dirty or it just all these issues and yeah, it was it was challenging, but.
yeah I got through it oh <laughs> uh, yes now, when you say you moved every six months that that's the actions of either a spy or a fugitive that's gotta go but yeah no <laughs> let's not get into the whole realms of yeah. like, flatmates in London and everything like yeah. that like, trust me there are some people which have been brought up in zoos that's another story <laughs> One of the things like bypass, when you uh, just mentioned that, it that is a little bit weird to hear bypass because like if you're just bypassing something, you're not actually dealing with it if you get what I mean. Correct, yeah. yeah. So it's like that sort of picking up those skills and everything like that. Do you kind of look at it and go, hey, I've taught you how to bypass it, but not actually teaching you how to deal with whatever might be troubling you like not necessarily head on maybe taking it to the side or like working it out bit by bit it's like yeah bypass you know yeah and 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 looking back all everything that i learned um even at uni and um and after i studied like i trained in nlp and hypnotherapy and all kinds of energy healing looking back now like they were all bypassing tools they weren't really teaching me how to access the core emotional wounds. No one actually sort of sat me down and really taught me about processing emotions. And it was all to make me, to, to give me that quick fix Yeah. and to make me feel better then. But then three, four months later, I would repeat the pattern. I'll be in depression again. And, and so in the end, I always say, you know, after 10 years of being on this so-called spiritual path I felt more lost than when I started and I actually thought at one point that I would never heal so <clears throat> 10 years on this path like yes like go like the ups downs the like steps forwards the falling back and like as the old saying goes like yeah get knocked down seven get up eight um what was the sort of like was there one sort of epiphanal moment which made you like go ah this is where it begins, or was it a series of things? There were there were a few moments, yeah. One of them was when I was so def desperate, I got my voice analyzed by a um, like voice analyst specialist in uh, Canada. He's in he's incredible, by the way, okay. um, John Kelly, and um, he he I I knew nothing about him. I just heard from him from a friend, mm -hmm. and um, he didn't know anything about me. And he, through my voice alone, pinpointed every single trauma that I had in my childhood. And that moment, he, it just blew my mind. And he said, you need to work. And he was the one that said, like, basically said, you need to work on your childhood traumas. Like, forget about everything else. Mm. You still have unresolved issues. And, and that was a real awakening, you know, for me. And, and so from that moment on, I started to really focus on... Uh, going deep on my childhood traumas and I had done the thing is I had done uh, inner child meditations and inner child work but it was all again it was just very superficial um and tried to forgive my mother but again I was bypassing all the anger and the rage that I had about the injustice uh, that happened in my childhood um so that was one pivotal moment for sure and that's changed my focus to really which is what I do now with my clients I focus a lot on inner child uh, work because that's where all our patterns and beliefs come from 
I would say they are many of the foundation stones of where we are in life. And hey, if you're trying to build something on the cracked foundation, yeah, it doesn't really stand at the test of time. Um, it must have been kind of, how can I say, difficult because in some regards, you you might know there were, there was something there, but you didn't understand what it was. Yeah. How long, like, how long did it sort of take you to kind of start sort of formulating what that sort of, like, you can like go, ah, oh, it was this, like this girl in school who said these things and she was a tyrant to me every time I was in school. But how did it sort of formulate where you like went, ah, this is how it was. This is where the trauma sort of came and how it manifests. Oh, that's a good question. Um, because it happened so long ago now. I um, well, he, well, firstly, this guy really put me in the right direction. Mm. Um, and then I started to look into, I don't know how it came about. I, oh, it, that, that was it. I was stuck in a pattern where I would attract um, older women who would pose as a friend. And these, some of them were healers and therapists and counselors. And, um, but then in the end, they would abuse me. And so I, I realized that, wow, this is a pattern. This keeps happening. And it would, it would be a cycle of uh, maybe two years. And then there would be a drama that would happen. And then I, I, I remember I was praying and I asked God, I said, please help me mm-hmm. to, to have the, this realization or to have to understand what's happening. And, and it wasn't anything like dramatic. I was just literally walking from the bedroom to the living room. And I just, and I was stuck in one of these patterns again. And with this lady that I actually started to become paranoid. I, I started to become paranoid and, and have all these, um, basically I was being abused and, and gaslit and, and, and it, it causes, you know, all this paranoia and self-doubt and you're sort of doubting yourself and your reality. And then I just had this moment of, a realization I said oh my god I have attracted my mother mm. and, and from that moment on I, I started realizing the toxic relationships I had with older women mm. and that this was a pattern and that obviously was a reflection of my unhealed mother wound and so then I started to dive deeper into that and um, I don't know somehow I came across uh, uh, narcissism and um, started studying that and I started to realize wow <laughs> I was abused, not only like she abused me physically, but also, you know, emotionally, mentally as well. Mm-hmm. And um, sort of started to put the pieces together. And that was such a relief uh, for me because a lot of the healers that I went to before and even the counselors and they would just tell me to, you need to forgive your mother. You need to forgive your mother. And um, yes, of course, that's the journey eventually. But they were they weren't really allowing me to process my anger, to process all the injustice that I went through. So they were also trying to skip steps. Maybe they weren't aware. I don't know. But um, that was keeping me stuck as well. Um, so when I started to dive deeper into that, um, yeah, that really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um yeah, I had other experiences as well. Like um, I went to 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 do an ayahuasca ceremony mm. in Brazil. And um, I, I always say I went to hell and back. The first four ceremonies were just hell. It was just childhood trauma after childhood trauma. And um, 
yeah, just a lot of it was once I had that that moment of awakening from that voice analyst and then this realization, it just sort of all came and um, I started to face it one by one. Yeah, I am like with ayahuasca, like if you if you went on a, how can I say, a Dante's Inferno journey, uh, like, yeah, the first time, what brought you back to come back to it? Like, yeah, not the second time, third time, but four times. What? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Firstly, um, you know, I didn't plan to go. It was a calling. Mm-hmm. I had the calling and, and it was a very strong pull. And once you have that calling, it's just, you can't avoid it. Like she wants you. Okay. <laughs> and, and secondly, um, it was, a, a, a the process was uh, 10 days. So it was one ceremony. And then the next day you integrate and you do psychotherapy. And then the next day you go deeper and do another ceremony. And so it was a process. It was a 10 day process. Right. But by I'm telling you, by the second time, like you don't want to go there. Oh, so what? What did you like? What did you see in the first one, first ceremony, and the second ceremony? If you, if you can share, if you're allowed sure. to share, absolutely. So the very first thing that I noticed when I first started to become a uh, like aware that the, you know. Uh, the her energy was inside of me I started to notice negative thoughts I, I heard my own inner critic I heard my own negative voice and at first I was like what is that and I couldn't figure it out and it was just negative ne- and the more that I could hear this negative voice about myself you know look at you you're a piece of shit I'm sorry if I swear you're this or that swear away yeah <laughs> it's like <laughs> she's got a potty mouth people like a sailor <laughs> Shit. And, and and it was and it was just getting worse and worse and the, the more that I was hearing this I started to feel sick mm. and I was like oh this is hard and I couldn't there came a point where I couldn't stand to hear this voice and then I threw up and after I threw up it just went silence and so that was the very first thing that I experienced it was my own inner voice and it, um and what was really interesting is that I had I was already doing meditations and inner work and I thought I was like positive and you know all that stuff and then when I heard that I'm like oh my god that's my that's my inner voice that's I'm I'm horrible to myself you know yeah but like this is the thing I would say you are not alone in that like basically oh, most people's inner voice inner critic mm, yeah <laughs> Jesus, if you met that person on the street, you could be the most peaceful Zen person in the world and you heard what they said on a regular basis, you would want to punch them in the face. Uh, you, you know? So it's like, yeah. yeah. Some people are very aware of that inner, like, inner voice, that critic what goes on on a regular basis. And other people, they're not aware. They kind of, it's there in the background and they might go, yeah. Why not achieving this? Why is this not going my way? Yes. Yeah. It's there in stealth, but it's always there. And I think because people are so dissociated from their bodies, from their and and using all these spiritual bypassing tools, Mm. of course you're not gonna hear that. Of course you're not gonna be connected to that. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that was the first thing that I experienced in my very first ayahuasca um uh journey. Yeah. Right. So I'm like 
not to bypass, but when, like, what was the sort of like main difference from when you had like going from throwing up the inner voice going like quieting to like, okay, coming out of that hellish journey to like the moment of enlightenment? I wouldn't say enlightenment. Uh, like, well, <laughs> awareness, maybe. Yes. Um, you mean what happened after that? <clears throat> yeah. So there was I had a, an experience of feeling peace mm. for a little while, and I just sat with that for a little while, and then the next thing came along, and which was you know the physical abuse that I experienced in my childhood. And like, was that hitting, or was that like more? let's say dark yeah my, being beaten basically being beaten by my mother um and i experienced the like all i remember like seeing her eyes just full of rage and hatred towards me and i i felt that hatred and, and basically i linked it to so this is this is why i had this horrible inner critic because <clears throat> you internalize your how your parents treat you and what your parents say to you and how they speak to you when you're younger, you then internalize that. And that's how you speak to yourself, right? That's how you um, start treating yourself. So that was the next thing that I had to sort of process. And so I experienced that, the rage and the um, how much she hated me. And I, and I grieved a lot. I grieved the lack of love um, that I didn't receive, you know, and, and, and from there I went to, her her womb and there was like a big void and I experienced the lack of love um whether this is true or not I don't know but you know I experienced a lack of love um from my mother basically uh, right from the womb but then what happened after is after I grieved a lot mm -hmm. I got taken under the earth and I was like wrapped <laughs> by mother earth and I experienced the, the most beautiful uh love basically, and it's making me a little bit tearful talking about it. Um, yeah, and I just received a lot of love after I grieved and after I sort of faced that. So those are the two main ones for the, from the first um, experience. I see, I see. Like, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, had, did you, like, after you went through this, did you have an opportunity to ask your mother why? She may have been so angry. Uh, I did. And I have tried many times to speak to her and um, she just, she's not open to it. Um, I've asked her, obviously not now. I, I cut her out of my life a few years ago and I don't speak to her anymore. But um, when back in the day when I was trying everything and I did ask her to go to therapy, I've given her books, I, you know, planted seeds, I've been direct, but it just... Uh, no, and I remember even, I mean, I can tell stories, but um, yeah, I did ask, but it wasn't uh, well received. Like, I'm, I'm the problem. Mm. I'm the one, apparently, like the feedback that I got from her and even my, some of my family is that I am the one that's resentful. I'm the one that can't forgive. She used that a lot. Oh, you, you can't forgive. Like, you hold on to resentment. This is the past, you know, like, let it go. And it's like, sure. I understand that this is a journey, but you need to be, you know, held accountable and to at least have some sincerity and humility in your heart to like face this with me and to acknowledge it somehow. But um, yeah, she didn't want to.
Well, I think it's one of those things where, how can I put it? People, like, people don't want to sometimes face their past, especially if it's being, how can I say, ugly uh, in the, like, back then. But if it's a case of, like, yeah, like, people like, yeah, just let it go, forget about it. But if it's a case of that person needs that sort of process to, like, go, okay, I need to discuss this to, like, understand so I can, like, I can get to that place where I can let it go, to get to that place where I can heal. I think sometimes that sort of communication is difficult to do because, look, uh, you're both, like, people feel both sides are feeling pain. It's just a case yeah. of you don't want to sometimes revisit that pain if, like, you were, like, dulling it out and if you, yeah. like, if you were receiving it, yeah so you kind of sometimes it comes to a big impasse and like you know what i mean it's like if i meet some people from like my school days back in the day and go yeah you were like this i'll go yeah i was like that because that was where i was at that precise time they like you go yeah you're completely different you're a different person yeah i hope so because i should hopefully have grown like the worst thing what can ever ever happen to anyone is like Oh, you know what? I haven't seen you in 10 years and you're exactly the same. Yeah. You know, what have you been doing? You know? So I was just gonna say it takes a lot of humility um to acknowledge, especially if you were the abuser, mm. you know, like my mother was. Um yeah, it's just humility. Um which she, I guess, doesn't seem to have at the moment, at least not until now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's a case of it's hum humility on both sides and like uh, bravery as well. Without those two or two combinations, hey, you can't sort of like, yeah, like basically humility to like say, okay, yeah, you know what? There were things which I've done wrong and everything like this, but that bravery to be yeah. able to like go, yeah, I did do things wrong and yeah i dare to look to the future rather than the past to see where we can go from there which i don't think many people do that you know no um yeah i, I mean especially with toxic parents like i have it's very difficult and challenging to because they feel that they're being blamed and that um you know, because they gave me everything. Mm. I went to a good school. I didn't starve. I had food on the table. I, my mother cooked food every day for us. You know, she um, took me to ballet three times a week. So they see they see that as a way to, because they gave me everything on the outside, mm -hmm. it's almost like um, permission to abuse. Mm. And then this is kind of what they used uh, against me, I guess. Said, "Well, we gave you everything. You shouldn't be. You should be grateful." Uh, <laughs> um, but it doesn't justify abuse. Mm. You know, it's it's not about staying in blame, but it's about putting blame where it belongs and ha having them, at least my mother in this case in particular, being held accountable, which she doesn't want to be held accountable. Yes. Um, and then, and then we can move on. But before that, I, it's going to be very challenging if someone is not humble and sincere about really being remorseful about what they did and, and all of that.
because then I'll feel it, right? You feel it when someone, and also their behavior doesn't change. Mm. And this is what was the, the key for me is like, she was still, okay, she didn't, she was no longer beating me in my adult, you know, years, but she was still abusing me um, mentally and verbally and emotionally and, and all that stuff. And and I just, I just got to a point in, in my own journey where I said, I can't, I cannot tolerate this anymore. Like I need to love myself. Um, it was a very hard decision. I didn't, you know, I didn't didn't make this decision overnight. It took many yeah. years to make this decision because I knew the consequences of the decision. Um, and yeah. Okay. No. So, con your mother out of your life. Like, yeah. What was like? Has that has that helped say heal those wounds, or is it a case of? Like the wounds are still healing and you still got some work to do with regards to that. hundred percent. It helped me heal. It was actually one, once I did that for the first time in my life, I felt free. Mm -hmm. I had this feeling I can't describe. I, re I still remember it. Like it was so visceral. Like I felt free. Um, I'd still had some, uh, a lot of grief to, mm -hmm. to go through and, and stuff, which I did. And um, it's much easier to heal when you're not constantly being abused and gaslit and all of that. So I had the space then to really do an, an, that inner work and dive deep. Um, are there things there? Sure, of course. But this, um, I believe that I have healed a lot of my core wounds. Maybe there's some more there, but a lot of a lot of what I'm working on now is emotional addictions and little things, not so much the big wounds because I did do a lot of that um yeah many years ago like this is the thing like i i love the fact that you went yeah i felt free everything like this but would you also say for the first time you felt like you were in control i guess yeah because i set a boundary mm -hmm. and, and i did you know even not even to her but to my family i said um you know i still i would love to have you in my life yeah but it has to be based on love and respect and if you cannot respect me then i can't have you in my life <laughs> mm. you know so yeah it was i was more in control yeah for sure so with this newfound control and everything like this and like yes the journey you've gone on how like when you are working with other people like yeah does it make you like just through the years how, does it make you kind of very sort of sensitive to what people might be going through oh yeah 100 percent. i can see things months before they can or i'll have clients come to me and say oh I, you know i had a happy childhood mm -hmm. but then they suffer from the same things i did depression and they tell me about their mothers and i already know and when i sometimes you know i test the water a little bit and i confront them oh no no she's just like that Mm -hmm. So then I have to take them on this journey. Like instead of being direct, I'll have to go this way. And by the fourth month, they're just, they have their, the biggest awakening of their life. Most of them. And, and some of these clients, they had the same experience as me. You know, some of them, they were beaten by their mothers and they still come to me and say, Oh, but I, I had a great childhood. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> being beaten by your mother is not really very loving. Yeah. Well, like, this is the thing. Like, look, uh, like as 
as a young man who was brought up in a strict like Nigerian sort of like background, uh, born and raised in the UK, but yes, mother originates from Nigeria. Yes, the, like punishment does come out on like you, you screw up. Yeah, there's a consequence to it. And it's parenting the best way she knows how on that occasion. Like, yes, if you kind of fast forward it, it's a case of parenting would be most probably completely different. Like, so it sometimes I find it becoming a recent father myself. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, right. What, like, looking down at the this little bundle of joy, screaming, like, screaming, laughing, pooping, eating, and, yeah, like, sleeping for a large chunk of the time. How do I navigate this world for them? Like, how do I kind of set the sort of, okay, these are some of the qualities you're going to need. Because when you fly solo, there is nothing I can do about it because you're out yeah. there in this world. Like, like parenting, I don't know. I can't really, I'm trying to really trying to form the question, but it's difficult. Because like this is the thing, you've experienced parent in in one light, and it's shaped you in this way. And yeah. when you kind of see like kids being brought up today, you you kind of like a yeah, maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you don't want to say this, but yeah. that parent who like all intents and purposes is a good person, and like you know, sure. I mean, they're trying to find their way in this like crazy topsy-turvy world like what would you say to someone like going yeah if you're trying to do the best job you can for not just yourself but like yeah your kids and everything like that what would be one step or maybe two steps you should take in your, the, like, from your perspective uh, yeah sure the number one thing would be to heal yourself mm. the more that you heal yourself and your own traumas, the less reactive you're going to be, the less triggered you're going to be by your kids. And actually, I really believe that kids mirror their parents' unhealed emotional wounds. So yeah. a lot of what triggers parents and their children are their own unmet addictions or unmet childhood needs or their own unhealed stuff. So the more that you work on yourself, naturally, you're going to be a more loving and and harmonious and caring parent and you'll be able to respond rather than react or get triggered or um all of that so yeah that would be my number one thing to heal yourself Ooh. heal yourself now mm -hmm. with your like with regards to you and your like your sort of journey of healing and like healing yourself now you were you found it difficult making friends back when you're in university has that now changed now that you've become a healthier person? 100%, yeah. And also, um, I'm attracting different people now. Mm. I'm attracting people that are kinder, that are more conscious, um, even clients, the clients that I attract are different. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that is a, a direct result or an effect of my law of attraction changing because you know, I've healed, I've released a lot of these negative emotions. So certain people, I'm not attracted to them anymore. And I can see 
obviously I can't see everything, but I can see a lot in terms of, um, you know, the type of person, if they're reactive, if they are a bit toxic and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. then you stay away, don't you? <laughs> it's like, a, hello. It's like, what's your name? Andrew. What's your last name? Tate. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, stay over there. It's like, um, yeah. Your law of attraction changes when you heal yourself. I think it's a case of the way you interact with the world totally changes when like, yeah, especially if you're on that sort of pathway of healing yourself, because like there are like, no, like there are always little micro things with regards to your behavior attitude, which come out. You're not, yeah. you're not actually doing it like, yes, this is me. It's just the little things where it's like, ah, and I think everyone picks up on it and like, yeah. I'd be more sensitive like yourself. Some might not be, but it's definitely, yeah. And like, you're like, oh, mm, yeah, like that there might be a person which you're like, yeah, I had this really weird feeling about them. And like, sometimes yeah. like this big thing is revealed and you come, yeah. Yeah. And then there are people which you're like, oh, Jesus, like, yeah, wow. Whatever room they walk into, it's like, yeah, it's just a good vibe having you around, you know? Yeah. But I will say um, now that you're speaking of it, I, I took, especially with women, because I was stuck in that cycle yeah. for so long. Um, it took a long time. Like I isolated myself, obviously, for some time, which is the classic, you know, trauma response. Um, <laughs> but it took courage to sort of come out again and learning to trust myself again and learning who I can trust but more so trusting in myself and my own uh, intuition and perception and, you know, to, to let certain people, women in particular, you know, in my life, back in my life. No, but yeah. it stems back to what we were talking about before we started the podcast about belief in like believing in other people and other things out mm -hmm. there. But belief in oneself is very hard to do because like you've got to take when you believe in yourself and you're doing actions which reinforce that belief in yourself you are now taking responsibility when you believe yes. in things and other like people out there you're not actually re you're you're offsetting that responsibility onto that thing that person yeah. so you don't need to be totally in control so it makes and then you can blame when something goes wrong <laughs> absolutely that's like i believed in you and you let me down you son of a bitch and yeah. you know what i mean it's like oh it's like yeah i really believed in this product and it didn't work mm. but it's like right it's not like okay yeah i believed in myself to like oh right like things what you can do to like to re-emphasize that belief yeah like study travel like a myriad of things you can like go oh, right yeah i'm paying like putting this money into me like and like rather than go yeah here's a thousand pounds to you and here's a thousand pounds to you which yeah easily done like, oh here's a thousand pounds to me to do these things help me grow help me develop find at find yourself and like yeah, yeah. And i think that's a number of things what people don't do these days they don't actually sort of sit down and find themselves because you can go oh they're awfully distracted in this world because there's all of these things you can get netflix and uh, go yeah. and get instagram youtube blah, blah 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 but spend like spend half an hour 
in a quiet room to like and really look at oneself not even I know. 10 minutes not even 10 minutes a minute <laughs> it's like you know what I mean yeah and then all, even with self-help like a lot of I've worked with clients who have read so many self-help and they're still asleep and they're still you know they have knowledge up here mm. but they still have their own blind spots in terms of themselves and their own patterns it's really interesting to 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 observe and to watch and you know work with them and have uh, ha watch them have their own their realizations you know like wow wow I didn't realize that about myself or oh oh my goodness like I actually experienced trauma in my childhood and I was completely mm. you know blindfolded and I didn't want to look at that Mm. It must be difficult for yourself, like to get someone from like saying to actually doing. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Basically, <laughs> look, it's easy enough to like, oh yes, I, like I want to change, and I, like I'm working on this. Oh yeah, right, right. Like you say, yeah, I'm going to change. I'm going to do this. I will be much better. But to like, oh, yeah, you know what, I'm going out doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this to make this happen, must be sometimes difficult to get that person from that same mindset to a doing mindset. Yes, especially when they're in a lot of denial. Mm. Um, and that's why I always say like healing doesn't take time, it takes courage. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times it's, you know, for example, setting a boundary with your toxic mother or saying those things that you don't want to say, you people please instead because you want to avoid confrontation. Mm. Or um, Yeah, but there's a process. You know, I, I meet people where they are. Some people are more courageous than others, so they take mm -hmm. action immediately. Others are a little bit want to do it at a slower pace. So um, in the past, if it was me coaching like 10 years ago, I would have like, you know, been more like drag, dragging them through. But then I realized like, that's not, you know, because I want them to go at my pace. Ah, <laughs> it's like, a, come on. It's like, <laughs> I'm extreme. I go, We're going to make you happy. <laughs> Let's do step. it. And I, and I thought everybody was like me, you know, everyone that said that wanted to do something, they would just flip and do it. And, I realized, like, oh, actually, not everybody wants to go at my pace. Mm. <laughs> like, the whole thing is, there's sometimes, look, and, like, this is why I sometimes, like, I have issues when anyone's doing coaching, therapy, anything like this. And, like, and sometimes therapists and coaches go along with it. Rather than sort of, like, going, okay, you can't always have, like, this is the, this is my start date and this is my end date. Yeah, correct. Doesn't work like Doesn't that. Work. Uh, it's a case of this is my start date. And like, yeah, most like people should be aiming to a point where it's like, okay, I've got to this point where I can stand by myself. I And like, yeah, I don't need a therapist. I don't need a coach and everything like this. But more times than not, it's just like, yeah, ah, oh, this is my start point. And yeah. I'm just going to repeat, repeat, repeat. And therapists and coaches sometimes jump on that bandwagon. It's like, going, yeah, you know what? Hello, little meal ticket. Yeah, we got you started. And let's go on this treadmill as long as we can, like, yeah, keep milking it until if you've got yeah. an amount of cash, 
we're going to be here for an infinite amount of time and you're not really getting better. You're not getting where you need to be. Or yeah. when the money runs out, then see ya. And yeah. you still haven't made any progress. Yeah. That's a very toxic relationship. And I find, I actually talked, I was talking about this the other day with someone mm. um, that there's a lot of codependency with, you know, especially healers and I suppose um, therapists as well and counselors and yeah. their clients. Um, yeah, it's a fine line. And I, like, I'll tell, I'll tell clients, like, uh, you know, you don't need to, you know, I, I, I'll tell them when I feel it's enough or when I feel they need to take a break or, um, but essentially like, you know, some clients come back because they see the results. <laughs> ah. Like, no, and they can see, they saw that they got to where they wanted to be faster with me than, you know, um, alone perhaps you know because when you're by yourself as well um you you can buy into your own excuses <laughs> you know you buy it you can you'll do it later and then later never comes so yeah it's a it's a it's a line that i navigate by being truthful with my clients like i'll call them out mm -hmm. um on things as well like uh, i remember many many years ago i called out a client and i told her that you know, I can't work with her anymore, that she's, you know, resisting, she's not taking action, and this, that, and the other, and she actually said, no, I, I know that I'm resisting, I know that I'm doing this, but I just need to go at this very slow pace, mm. and would you be willing to work with me? I said, sure, now that we have this agreement, okay, you tell me how fast you want to go, um, and so I did work with her, and she did, you know, eventually heal and come out of it, but it took longer than, let's say, with some other clients that I worked with, which, which I knew I could get the results within, you know, three months. Um, so yeah, I guess it's, uh, for me, it's about being honest and truthful with people mm -hmm. and with clients and, um, yeah, and, and my job and is to empower them so that they don't actually need me eventually. Uh, that's the the real job isn't it to so that they know how to do their own inner work and 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 process their own emotions and things like that yeah no, that should be the true like mission for any coach or any yeah. therapist like yes get the person to well you're kind of trying to put yourself out of a job <laughs> so but yeah no it's true yeah and I have clients who um, coached with me many years ago they've healed from all sorts of things and we're still friends, like they stay in touch, but they don't coach with me anymore because they they came to me. And and I also believe that, you know, sometimes we need different guides and different coaches in different times of our life. So I'm not going to be your coach forever. <laughs> Maybe you'll need some someone else to, to do some other kind of work, you know, with you or. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to say that I've got a lot of clients from like 10 years ago. I had a client message me just a month ago, said, he was i known him for 14 years him and his wife yeah for 14 years and then uh, they both had a session um with me recently but i hadn't coached them for at least six or something like that yeah yeah brilliant brilliant so with this and like your therapist today like what would you like what do you want say for the next year or so like, is it just being a therapist or is it a case of you're looking to spread your wings slightly more? I am looking to spread my wings a little bit more, uh, mainly with my message, because um, like I told you, I'm not sure if we spoke about this before we started or if we mentioned this throughout. Um, 
So I was in the spiritual bandwagon for like 10 years and nothing was working. And I was so frustrated with um, these new age gurus and no one was really telling me, you know, how to heal. And I wasted a lot of time and a, a lot of money um, on these tools and techniques and meditation for this, that and the other and nothing worked. So I really have a strong message in terms of emotions. I believe emotions is the language of the soul. It's how we learn and grow and evolve spiritually, mentally, emotionally. It's also, I mean, if you want to go really spiritual, like to me, it's God's language as well. And it's the only way that we're going to heal and grow. So this is my main message that I would love for those who are still lost on their spiritual journey to find and to for them to know that you don't actually need tools and techniques. You just need to develop your will. And that comes from your heart, from your soul. from And this is an emotional desire from within. It's not a tool that you take from outside. It's, it's, from, it's an emotion that you develop from your heart. I went on a rant there. <laughs> oh, no. You're all good. You're all good. Like, this is me. You're like you're speaking to your truth, and like this is the thing. It's important to do that. I think with many people, they don't. How can I put it? One, they don't actually take really sort of reflect on themselves, and two, like yeah, without that reflection, you can never have like find that truth what lives within. Like because if you look at most people in this world, and like you went, yeah, I'll go. How much do you know about yourself? Truly know about yourself. If someone goes, oh, I know 100% truly, of that. and I'll be like going, one, yeah, I won't believe it. Or two, I'll be like, yeah, I'll be quite terrified of that person because they, yeah. have, they, like, they have gone through the complete gambit. Like, if someone went, yeah, I know like 30% of myself, 40% of myself, and I'll go, okay, yeah. I would say that's a person who's really sort of gone above and beyond in some regards. Because yeah. most people, they might know 30%, but I would say it's 10, maybe 20. <laughs> and yeah. I think that number is dropping um, more and more in this sort of day and age. And I don't know if that's, a, I don't see it as being a good thing truthfully because if you don't know yourself you have no real direction on where you might be going yeah it's the truth though and you're either doomed to repeat past mistakes or you never fulfill like your true potential because you have no idea what your potential is or your purpose you know yeah and i think also that's one of the main reasons why things like depression is on the rise and suicide and all of that, because people are lost. Mm. They've lost touch with themselves and um, yeah, they don't know who they, they are and they um, don't know how to process their emotions. They don't know how to feel their emotions. And most of the time uh, we were taught by our parents. I know that now it's changing a little bit, but most of us, um, you know, 30s, 40s, we were taught to suppress our emotions. And the thing is, when you suppress your emotions, you disconnect from yourself. So the only way to truly know yourself, I believe, is by feeling and processing your emotions. It's not just intellectual, it's really feeling. And that's how you start to feel more connected to yourself and, and start to understand who you are. Mm, yeah, like, this is the thing I would say. I would say 
there are some like in this day and age, there are some people who go, oh, get to know yourself better, get to know your emotional self better, get to know like your logical side better. But they it's one of these things between saying and doing. Correct. Yeah. You say all of this, but like the whole thing is like getting to know your logical self, getting to know your emotional self. It comes through the act of doing like uh, doing really hard and uncomfortable things right? and like yeah. it's the thing and like there's part like there's i often say you've got to actually go through a physical process some yeah. more so than say a book reading process because Correct. if you're not doing the physical and like going through that sort of like that physical and mental stress at that time you're not really building that resilience truthfully because if you're when oh yeah work in that field but you are okay. That's one thing. If I went, yeah, read a paper about working in that field. Yeah. And this is what most people do. And I love that you said it's a physical because uh, emotions as well. Like a lot of people think that they understand their emotions, but the amount of people that I've worked with that think that they're self-aware because they've read a lot of self-help books actually have no idea why they're depressed, for example. Mm. or why they have certain emotional addictions and things like that and emotions have to be felt it's a it's a physical experience yeah and um, people are scared to go through this visceral physical experience well this is the whole thing people are afraid to get hurt like okay like either mentally or physically or like to go through that sort of pain because mm. it's like one of those things look like one of my favorite film like favorite film moments is avengers endgame where you've got captain america like yeah thanos's army lands and like he's like yeah shield broken like he's there pulls the shield and it's like yeah he's like okay if it's the, if i'm the only one i'm gonna hold the line i'm gonna like yeah instant death but he's just like yeah. Yeah, he's looking yeah. it down and then he hears like on your left, like the first portal opens and like, you see like, and like, yeah, like Falcon flies through and you're like, oh, and then everyone's coming through and you're like, ah, oh. like the roar. And like, you hear the cinema, like if you watch any YouTube video where they've done this and like you people are like, oh, yeah, okay. I was like, it gets me fired up anytime. If there was a portal what opened up and like, yeah, you saw me with a gun, I would run through it and I said, yeah, I say that because I'm perfectly safe watching it at home or watching it in a cinema. If I, like, if that moment had to come, like, came up, I would like to believe I would, like, step up and, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, go into battle and possibly face, like, yeah, life and death decisions and everything like this. But the truth of it is most people wouldn't. It's great being on TV, great being in the cinema, and, like, yeah, being fired up and, like, going, right. But it's not real. (laughs) It's, like, for them because it's, like, you're safe. And if you had to put yourself through pain, that suffering, you wouldn't do it. And like, yeah. yeah. A lot of people talk the talk, but they don't walk the path, you know? Mm. And one thing that I'll say about pain, um, because a lot of people are scared of feeling their emotions. Um, firstly, it's just an emotion, you know? And secondly, what I realized is that um, 
it it's only painful when you resist the emotion mm. but when you actually truly feel it, it it feels like a relief and you want to be in that emotion even if it's you're grieving about you know not being loved as a child or whatever you're grieving it actually feels like a relief when you truly process the emotion it's only painful when you resist it and deny it and and, and all of that that's what's make that's what makes it difficult and painful but when you're truly in it it's it's it feels good actually even though you're processing a difficult let's say emotion if that makes sense yeah no no it does like oh, okay yeah so now i have to ask like a couple more questions and then you'll be free like <laughs> no worries what was your last walk to walk moment that you can recall walk to walk like walk the walk rather than walk like walk. <laughs> yes moment that you can recall um i mean the most significant one was the one where um i stood up for, to my mother and i stood up and i had to stand up to everyone to my grandmother to my grandfather <clears throat> to my father to my brother and to my like i had to stand up to everyone that was really me putting up my boundaries speaking my truth and i was attacked um uh, a lot and, and 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 i had to take it and i had to grieve that that was the most significant one i would say because obviously it's my family and mm. who you know everybody wants to have a family and wants to have family in their life and yeah and and the reason i say that is because a lot of people who grew up with toxic parents or abusive parents are afraid to stand up to their parents are afraid to speak truth to their parents or are afraid to cut them out and from my personal experience, if you don't do that, I doubt that you will heal, basically. And I'm sad to say that. Um, I don't want to say that, but um, that, was, that, was, that was my experience. No, no. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. I have to ask now, what was the, what was the last thing what brought you, like, where you had a sense of gratitude for? Um. Just actually, just recently, everything that's been happening. Oh, you mean me? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you reached out to me. I, you know, I was, I haven't been looking like I, over the last year, like things have just been uh, coming to me without me even asking or trying or, you know, before I was always like, I was a hustler. Ah. Not that I don't work hard now, but I was, it was always that effort. But now it feels like things are coming to me a lot easier and in a more loving and harmonious things are happening i'm meeting people that are in alignment with my truth and my beliefs um i had an opportunity recently that i so out of the blue unexpected I've, you're not the first one like in that in the week that you reach out i had someone else reach out for another podcast like things are just coming to me effortlessly and i'm truly grateful for this and i i believe it's because of all the inner work <laughs> that i've done i'm integrating you know this more and more and and yeah it's been beautiful to to receive and to just have it be so effortless and and joyful and, and nice rather than me having to sort of you know <laughs> i've got to go come on <laughs> you know constantly hustling and doing this that and the other <laughs> brilliant brilliant ah ah now Yes, I have no more questions to ask at this moment in time. But yeah, can you tell the lovely people out there how they can find you out there on these interwebs? 
Sure, yeah. Um, I guess the the easiest would be my Instagram, which is just my name, Melanie.Oliver. And it's Melanie with a Y. <laughs> and um, you can find me on TikTok with the same, you know, Melanie Oliver. You can find me on Facebook or you can go to my website and it's Melanie-Oliver.com. Um, and yeah, you can find me in all those places. <laughs> ah, brilliant. All, the, all of Melanie's contact information will be in the show notes, in the description. So yeah, go out there, get in contact with her. And yes, let's see if we can get emotionally healthy uh, along mm-hmm. the way, each and every single one of us. Melanie, thank you for coming on today. You have been superb, brilliant, and fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, Joy to have you on. And let me just say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors, for sticking with us to the end of the show. Please stay well, stay safe, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic. Be all the positive things you could be in this world and then some. And remember, (laughs) you can overcome. Peace. And we are...